Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where every week I keep you updated on the latest trends and how-tos in coworking. I owned and operated co-working spaces for eight years and then served as the executive director of the Global Workspace Association for five years. And today I work with hundreds of operators and community managers every month, allowing me to bring you thought-provoking operator case studies and inspirational interviews with industry thought leaders to help you confidently stay on top of what's important and what you can apply to your own role in the co-working industry. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. And I have a cold and I have mostly lost my voice. I don't think this has literally ever happened to me in the many, many years that I have been podcasting. I almost never lose my voice. And I had recorded a fantastic intro to this episode on Friday. And then my editor emailed me and said that it was garbled. So I have to record it again with no voice. So I'll try to keep this fairly short. You're going to love this interview with Peter Chi. Peter has two locations in Seattle and Redmond, Washington. He's just, I mean, a super fun personality. He's one of those people you meet and he's just like really compelling. He's a happy guy. He's really interesting. I just really enjoy people who don't follow the typical pattern of life. You know, I think that I do. My Enneagram 3 likes to do what everybody else does. And so I totally admire people who take a different path. So I love to hear people's stories. Peter did something really unique this year. He did a three-month experiment. He bought a one-way plane ticket for an entire month. No, for three months. And he just uh, stayed for as long as he wanted to stay. He was working. He was working at a co-working spaces. In the middle of this, he drove to Chicago and ran a marathon. And he just said he was, you know, thinking a lot about his business and what was next. You'll hear that he's uh, he's been in co-working for a long time. 2008, he launched ThinkSpace, which was early, early days in a building that he built with his dad. And he's working on another really interesting business. So you'll hear him talk about that. He was at Juicy. If any of you were at Juicy, he was there. He may have spoken. I did not meet him. I met Peter at the GWA conference. I met him at a dinner. And then we did a workout Thursday morning, I think, after everyone had been out karaokeing a little bit too late. And he just had the most awesome attitude. He's a runner, so I'm not sure he thought it was very much fun, the sort of boot campy CrossFit style workout we were doing, but he totally played along and we had a blast. So you're going to love hearing Peter's story. And he's a building owner. So I always love to hear, you know, about that model, although he leases his second location. Um, he relies on his team a lot to run the business, and he's working on another company altogether, which I also think is an important perspective for folks to think about because it's pretty hard with a single location to make a living in co-working. And so you can do co-working and do other things. And I might encourage that you do that so that you have, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay, before we dive into Peter, it is the end of the year. And if you are looking for a fantastic gift for your fantastic community manager, please consider gifting her a membership to Community Manager University. So the first thing she's going to do is get certified as a co-working community manager. Sorry, 
And that certification will go on her LinkedIn profile. She get a certificate for it. And I think it's a, just a fantastic kind of indicator of commitment to the role. And our certified folks love to get it. And then she will have access to a really in-depth library of content under operations, sales and marketing, industry knowledge, community building, and more. We do two live calls every month. One is a Q&A call. One is a live training event. So she gets to know other community managers or he. And we have a really active Slack group. And the community managers in the Slack group are awesome. They're super responsive. If you have any sort of question, it's like an insurance policy. It's such a fantastic program because most co-working brands just don't have the resources to, to build out their own onboarding and training program. We can't do every single thing that you do, but there's just a tremendous amount of knowledge and perspective and like just-in-time resources as your community managers you know, need ideas or need to solve problems or, or work through something. So it's a great group, fantastic resource. He or she will be thrilled to be a part of that. It's both professional development and I think a really great retention tool and an easy gift idea. So you can enroll at everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager and get all the details there. Um, there's no minimum commitment. So you can gift this. And once your community manager has gotten the experience they want to get, there's no long-term commitment for you. So take a look, everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. Here is our interview with Peter Chi. Okay, I am sitting here with Peter Chi, who is in his co-working space in Seattle, Washington for the first time in two months. And I was just asking Peter, why is that? And he had a very interesting response. And I said, hold on, let me hit record. So Peter, thank you for joining me. Lovely to be here. And yeah, thanks for uh, coming into the office. Is that a, what are you drinking? I'm having some coffee. Is that like a cappuccino? Yeah, I was going to say that looks just like my own tall, like double walled um, glass that I drink out of every morning. My well, favorite it's cup. It's noon for you already, though. Yeah, but I live in Seattle, so I drink coffee like, you know, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I have this. Um, I can't seem to tolerate a very much caffeine, so I can have one like double shot cappuccino and it's always so good that I want another one. And then I try another one and it's just, I can't do it. It's not like, I can't even get through it. It's super unfortunate because it's like my favorite thing of the day. Maybe it's my favorite thing of the day because I can only have one. <laughs> that's a good thing. So but that's it. There's also lots of other good hot drinks out there too. That I know you're totally right. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the last two months. So you're, you own a co-working space, but you just told me you gave yourself permission to wander a bit. So <laughs> yes, so, share with everyone. <laughs> I'm on a three-month experiment right now, and I just concluded the, the second month of it. So my experiment is being able to work from any place in the United States and also not have any, I guess, pressure to like need to move anywhere or leave one city. So my first month was about buying one-way plane tickets. And so I went from Seattle to Austin, and then I went to Dallas. Then I was in Frisco for the GWA conference. Right. And then I flew to New York, and I hung out in New York for a little while. And then I flew back to Seattle for like two days to get my dog in my car. And then <laughs> I started driving. 
And I jumped on I-90 and I started going across to Chicago and, you know, just passing through all these different states that I'd never been in and stopping at any national park that was along the way or within, you know, an hour or two of the freeway. And then, you know, I bought Starlink internet so that I, I could make sure I was able to work from the road or work from any place. Yeah. Because I, you know, that's kind of critical. So does I, it work kind of anywhere? Did, did you? Yeah, did it wasn't a trip. wasn't like a vacation. It was a, I want to be able to work and have the full flexibility of being able to work from anywhere. And I don't want to get stuck somewhere in some of those places where there's no internet. Right. So I signed up for the Starlink thing. And then, um, you know, the thing that I found in the first month, the one-way plane ticket piece of it was actually super fascinating for me because, you know, I didn't have the pressure of a, another plane ticket that I had to go jump on to. And, you know, I was just enjoying the conversations, enjoying the people that I was meeting with. And I just wanted to stay in flow of how it felt. And then when it was time to go, I was like, okay, get another plane ticket. And where am I going? So I ended up in places that I didn't expect myself to really hang out in. And then also I got to stay in lots of great places that were really unplanned. Then I met with a ton of people at GWA and a lot of them have offices in New York. So I was like, I'm going to New York. So <laughs> I hung out and I had just such a great time, you know, talking with these other people and seeing how they run their co-working spaces. And I got to work from their spaces and just see how things are done in a different way. And it was super innovative and recharging for me and bringing me to a place where I'm, I'm looking at my own think space in a different way because I'm seeing and, you know, sitting inside the spaces that these other people are running not just hearing them talk about it on stage, right? At a conference or whatever. Yep. It's actually, you get so much more when you sit there and you feel everything inside the space. And then this last month, you know, the road trip piece of it was like, I didn't know if I was heading east, west, south. Wait, um, wait, but you had to swing through Chicago to run a marathon, right? Oh, yes. No. <laughs> I mean, that was like the one thing in my calendar that was a date that I was like, you know what? I'm definitely going to need to get out to Chicago by a certain date. So <laughs> there was a destination. There was a date there, right? But then the rest of it was just kind of, you know, go where I felt like I wanted to go. And there's people that I hadn't seen in a really long time. And if they were within five hours of a drive, I'm like, that's close enough. I'm going to go see them. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like super excited and happy to see me. And, you know, it's re, um, I guess, re-energize those old friendships that um, you haven't seen in a long time. And so that was fantastic. And then, you know, being in big cities and, you know, I went out to 25 North. I was trying to find Mara and Megan, and um, apparently they don't work out of their own spaces all the time, right? And I, I didn't <laughs> know that. They're like you, exactly. They have a ton of locations everywhere, too. So that was another piece of it. It was like, oh, I guess they're not just hanging out inside their own spaces. But, um, <laughs> you know, being able to see their spaces and see the energy and how full they were, that was awesome. Like, there's just some co-working spaces that have that energy and they they are definitely doing something right. And when, you know, you can feel the energy and plus, you know, post pandemic ish. Right. And um, people are getting back in there and they got lots of people roaming around. So I thought that was really fun. Suburbs are hot, Peter. uh, Apparently so. (laughs) Especially out in Chicago. And, and then I went out to bond collective and Shlomo's um, locations and hung out in a whole bunch of his places. Um, Had you been to a bond before? I did in New York. I went to a whole bunch of them out there because yep. in Brooklyn and then Midtown and yep. 
Had you been before this trip though? No, I had only seen photos and his website and, yeah. you know, Shlomo, I've talked with him quite a bit at the last two conferences and um, had such a great fun. time talking with him. Yeah. But um, I was like, I'm going to go hang out in some of his spaces. And he's got such a great touch and feel for, you know, his entire team's awesome. And, you know, they do such a great job putting together their spaces and their approach towards hospitality is fantastic too. So, you know, there's just pieces and things that I see in these spaces that, give it so much energy and make it fun to be working out of. So I was like, this is great. I, I love hanging out in lots of different places. Then I went to some small little places too that never heard of. And it was mostly like I Google co-working and then a city name and then right. see what articles come up to the top. And then I just, I'm like, am I within a few miles or so? And I'm like going. And then, you know, I'll pay their $30 or whatever it is to yeah. you know, sit in their space and, I want to support them too. I don't want a free ride, free tour kind of thing, right? It's like, no, these people are running companies and they want to make money or they need to make money. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so being able to run around and support some of them are pretty awesome. And then I went to this one place in Traverse City, 20 Fathoms, and it was so interesting to see this like vibrant startup community in Traverse City. And then I bumped into some guy that happened to be from Seattle and he had just relocated and we were talking and it was great. You know, just the connections and this, I guess that serendipity of like meeting random people and, you know, realizing that you have lots in common with them is, is pretty neat. And then I guess, you know, coming back to the road trip thing, I, I routed myself through 19 states and then I ended up down at after after leaving Michigan, went to Kentucky, Tennessee, and then okay. Alabama. And I was like, these are places I've never been in. And the whole time <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, I've got sweet home Alabama on repeat, <laughs> or I mean on a repeat, right? I was like driving through the state thinking like, this is going to be awesome, right? And then I was like, this is really not my place. But then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to keep going south. And I ended up at the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to hang out on the, these white sandy beaches down here. And there's a place called Dolphin Island. It's fantastic if you've never been there. I think it's perfect for a place where if you want some quiet on a beach and $140 per night to have a house. <laughs> that is the ultimate place. And I think it's a little secret. So that was awesome. Although after all that driving, did you really need more quiet time? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I didn't want to be packing up and getting you know packing a dog and a car and all your stuff yeah. and you know unloading you know that, that i was just getting tired Not, of that. yeah getting, that, yeah. That, after 32 days of that i was ready to just kind of reground myself oops apparently the lights are off hold on here <laughs> environmentally friendly lights <laughs> exactly and so i think the driving part is actually awesome because i feel like it's basically driving meditation yeah and I was just sitting there in my thoughts most of the time, right? And it's not interrupted by anybody else's thoughts, no one else's perspectives. And so honestly, it gave me a massive amount of clarity. So I've never done anything like this where I've been on away for so long and just also have that freedom to be able to go in any direction. That's not normal for me. I, I'm very much a routine-oriented person. Ooh, that's so funny. Yeah. And I decided to break everything. <laughs> and what's great is that I feel like I have a like a blank piece of paper right now and I get to recreate things the way I guess feeling that is best or how it's best aligned for me now versus like 
how I've created these structures and things in the past for, you know, they were great for that period of time. So. Hi, this is Josh Freed, CEO of Proximity. When we started Proximity, we did it for one reason. We didn't like how hard it was to run our co-working spaces. At first, we tried testing different space management software on the market. And look, we found that we had to use multiple software solutions. Then we spent way too much time trying to sync them all together. And then we spent even more time training our staff and worse yet, our members on how to use this overcomplicated solution. We ended up going circles attempting to manage our software instead of letting software do what it's supposed to, which is help run our business. Our members were frustrated. We were frustrated. We just didn't think it should be so hard to operate a co-working space. So we built our own solution to make co-working spaces easier to manage, all packaged up in one easy-to-use platform. Refined by feedback from hundreds of co-working spaces over the last five years, Proximity software is simple for operators and best of all members, and it is backed by our award-winning U.S.-based customer support team. It's time to stop settling for overcomplicated software. Get software that was actually purpose-built for co-working by co-working space operators. See for yourself. Our team is available to chat with everything co-working podcast listeners, and you can schedule your call today at proximity.space forward slash Jamie. So my last month is really, really about getting grounded in the things that I'm aligned with. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to jump out on the road again, but um, I might be a little bit, but there's definitely certain places that I know I would repeat visit. <laughs> and there are places I would never, ever go back. <laughs> But they serve their purpose. <laughs> well, it's good to eliminate, you know, the options. So did you, you made your way back in your car with your dog from Florida, from uh, the Gulf Coast? Um, Dolphin Island, yeah, I went yeah. into Texas. I stayed in Texas for quite a while. Texas is actually quite a wonderful place. I um, I have all these like preconceived stigma things in my head about different places along the whole entire country. And I, what I found out was that these people out here everywhere are awesome. And there's just wonderful humans yeah. no matter where you go. <laughs> and if you just peel back some of the stuff that's being yeah. played in the media, if I didn't have any news. I was staying away from the news. And I was just like, you know what? It's just like great humans. I want to be around really awesome humans. And Texas has a lot of them. And I spent some time out in San Antonio and Dallas and Houston, Galveston. And then I made my way out and ended up routing myself through Utah and Utah is beautiful. Like one of my Gorgeous. favorite. Places. So much. Yeah. I'm sure you stopped and did the Zions there. Right. And the arches and yeah, lots of good stuff. Yeah. I could go back. There's definitely a place I could spend a lot more time in. So yes. Anyway, there's my travels. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, it's, it's funny. I am also totally, I think about this sometimes, like, like when I'm like psychoanalyzing myself, like I'm very also routine based. And even when I travel, I try to like smush my routine into wherever I am. I have to work out in the morning. I'm sure you have to go for your run. And then I have to have my cappuccino and I have to like, you know, I have my things and I, I like to do it that way. But I, you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, my two kind of prescribed. It's an interesting, but I guess, you know, personalities are just like that. I'm not sure I'm changeable at this point. At this stage, but I, you know, it would be interesting to, to do what you did. And sometimes when I'm on vacation, like I, yeah, I smush myself into, and I think I need to be maybe a little more flexible. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. maybe. And I love the car meditation. I sometimes, so my daughter is just turned 11 
And she used to sit in the back seat, like for a long, like we go to Tahoe a lot because we're in the Bay Area. And she would like have something to say, you know, and she like interrupt me. And it was like interrupting my thought meditation. I'd get like annoyed, like, wait, no, I was like in the middle of something that you can't see in my head. (laughs) Driving is super good for that. Okay. So take me back to like early Peter. You went to MIT, which is not probably very typical for a co-working space owner. So I want to get a little bit of your professional journey here. So MIT and then what? Oh, so and where were you born? Were you born in the United States? Where born in Seattle? You were born in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, so I've been in Seattle basically my whole life. I was away for one year in Taipei, Taiwan. But um, besides that, I've been in Seattle, and I love Seattle. I think it's a great city. I also kind of was exploring the rest of the entire United States, trying to figure out if I were to live anywhere else, where would I go? So I'm still not feeling like there's any one place I would want to live all the time. So I think I'm probably more likely a person to be somebody that would go somewhere for like months at a time somewhere and then move somewhere else for months at a time or like maybe multi-home based kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of what feels right right now. As far as like, you know, rewinding me back all the way back. Yeah, I went to University of Washington first and okay. yep. um, a degree in business and information systems. I worked for a technology company that was a startup. Paul Allen had a company called Starwave and that's the mid 90s. And they were just launching ESPN, ABC, Disney, all these mega media websites. Yeah. This was the birth of the internet. It's like it was fantastic. Right. Totally innovative. It was an exciting time to be working. And I think it was probably one of the best times I've ever had working for any other kind of company. It was just super fun. Like I couldn't even believe they were paying me money to do what I was doing. So, you know, database engineering work was what I was working on. And I just loved it. And I think honestly, ThinkSpace kind of the reason why I started up ThinkSpace was I was thinking about. After I left tech, I was thinking about running a different kind of business, and I had built the building ThinkSpaces in right now in Redmond and built it with my father. And it's 40,000 square feet, and we had leased it out to a whole bunch of other kinds of companies. And then as the leases start to, um, you know, come, I guess, mature, you you decide whether or not you want to release it to those companies, or do you want to do something different? And this was back in 2000. Probably 2007, 2006, even. And, um, you know, as the leases were getting closer, I was like, well, what would I do if I were to run a different kind of company? And I was working from home at that point and I hated it. Yeah. So it was part of it was like, I need to be around other well, people. And I out. also want to be around people that are doing awesome technology because that's the space that I love being yeah. in. Okay. And I went and visited all these different business centers all over the place and there was a bunch of regis's and premieres and yeah you um, were early you were early early i don't know if i've i mean i don't even think jerome chang opened that early he might have been right around that time blank spaces because he's one of the early but yeah there was not much happening back then in terms of co-working because 06 was like kind of the first very early incarnations of things that didn't look like regis 
Exactly. Yes. And yeah, Jerome was definitely one of the first out there too. And so I was visiting all those places and I was like, you know what? There's like obviously a business model that works here. Yeah. Um, this industry has been around for 50 years. So it's like, okay, let's explore this a little further. And the thing that I couldn't find was something that fit me. And I'm all about tech and what's, yeah. you know, on the bleeding edge. And I want to be around that kind of energy. And like if I can recreate some of that energy from Starwave being in that startup space yep. and do it inside this building and yep. do it with that kind of model, then I think that's what I would want to do. Like that's what yep. success would be like for me. Yep. So in 2008, launched ThinkSpace and then that, you know, massive recession hit. <laughs> well, right. Perfect. <laughs> and that was incredible, like unbelievable timing, right? Six months into it. Well, yeah. What did it, I mean, so you owned the building, so that's positive. Unlike all the folks in COVID that had to, so you have a, a mortgage on the building, presumably, but at least it's not your landlord who's, I don't know, bank landlord, maybe same, same, but yeah. Was it, did it empty out? What did it look like? So at the time, you know, we were probably about I don't know, 60% full. Yep. And um, six months into it, not bad. And then the recession hits and I was like going, oh my gosh, this is really scary. And at that point, I was actually in a program through, it's called the Entrepreneur Organization and MIT. They have this joint program for entrepreneurs. And so it was a three-year-long program. I'd fly out to Boston and um, I remember sitting inside the classroom and we were all kind of freaked out. This recession was hitting. And this one of the professors said, you know what, you guys are smaller companies and this is a massive recession, but it's like, what do you really need every single month? Would two new customers be enough for you guys to like be able to get through it if you could just get two new customers? And that's what kind of made me pause a little bit and not freak out because I was like, I can go pick up the phone and get two yeah. new right? That is not going to kill me. And then the other piece of it was like, I was sitting there and I was looking at, you know, all those bigger shared office environments, business centers and whatnot. And I was like, man, those people are just given massive concession right now. Yep. Yep. Six months free rent, yep. whatever. I mean, they were just throwing all kinds of stuff yep. at people. And I was like, that's a race to the bottom. So I, I did not actually lower any of my pricing through the um, recession. And the thing I focused in on was like, well, how do we make sure that ThinkSpace stands out and is different than what's going on out there? And the thing that I focused in on was like, it is not about the walls. It is yeah. all about the community of our space. And at, in 2008, they had community managers for tech companies. They did not have community managers for co-working or shared office environments. I actually, unfortunately, had to let a couple of my employees go and rehire and get community manager minded people. And yeah. I hired somebody that was just like a totally new concept to your point, like community for physical spaces, not just yeah. like for a so well, social would have been really early back then too, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, Twitter was just kind of coming on board. Yeah. yeah. Social media was really, really brand new at that point. And so there was a, you know, a lot of new tech, a lot of new platforms, a lot of new ways of connecting. It was super exciting. I thought it was um, it was great for the small companies and it allowed us to be super fast and nimble. And I didn't even care if 
you know, other companies that are huge have that, you know, massive marketing budget. I was like, yeah, I, I am going to outmaneuver everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I, I was somehow was able to build a waiting list during the recession and get the space to be completely full. Right. And it was fantastic. I mean, it was not just me, it's my team, right? It's the people that I hired that were fantastic with people and connecting. And so that's always been a part of the DNA of ThinkSpace is that we are incredible people at connecting other people. And so we just continue to carry that forward. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, Three Behind-the-Scenes Secrets to Opening a Co-working Space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner-operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path. So the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them, depending on their experience, and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. So did you convert all 40,000 feet to coworking and flex or is some of it still traditional tenants? So 20,000 is think space and then 20,000 is traditional office space. And I think that probably one of the coolest things about running the entire building that way is because these small companies, they grow, right? So we had one company, it was super incredible, actually. So we've had companies that have exited out of ThinkSpace for like $2.9 billion or you know, $40 million or getting acquired by Microsoft or Cisco yeah. or yeah. You know, Google or whatever, right? And then there was this one company inside our space that um, HBO Go, and it was like two guys had left Microsoft and they were inside ThinkSpace and they were like, we're working on something really cool. And I was like, cool, what is it? And they're like, we can't tell you right now. But um, <laughs> anyway, so HBO Go launched out of ThinkSpace. Wow. And there's this like crazy stuff going on. And I was like, this is incredible. And these companies that, you know, are really tiny and small, they eventually need yeah. more space. And so... The easiest thing is to just stay inside the building, okay. yep. take over more space. So I wasn't even using brokers. So it was all about just, you know, yeah. natural, organic, you know, movement within the building. It still is. And yep. so, you know, there's companies that have been in there for 
as long as things have been around, right? They're still yeah. there. <laughs> and we're able to support them and, and keep them inside here. And then some of them yeah. have just gone on to like, you know, take on a hundred thousand square feet of space themselves, right? And you're just so happy to see that kind of growth and you're yeah. a part of it. And you're just feeling like, wow. We we're in a done. unique market where that can happen. So my space here was in Palo Alto and the mistake I made was not like, I moved here and oh. opened it. So I didn't know, I didn't understand the market at all. And we had a similar thing. People would show up, they'd be working on some sort of undercover thing. And then, you know, there'd be like four of them and then they would need to lots more space and we didn't have it. So there was nowhere for them to go, but that was a very common thing, right? They'd have an investment, you know, a series, whatever, and then they'd hit their milestone and then they'd go for another round and they need more people. And they'd be like, we just want like the same thing. We want like the same furniture. And I was like, I know I can't help you. I All I have is a lease for this much space. So it's interesting how markets are so different, right? And you're in a really unique market. I would have, if I, yes, had only known it would have been a great model, but also owning the building is a great model. So you've got kind of the the combo going there, but yeah, it's interesting. So is it mostly tech or what, what does your membership look like? So, you know, in our Redmond location, it's a lot of mixed kind of companies over there. Boy, I'm sitting in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Those lights like, are like, uh, you're not moving uh, enough. <laughs> the, the lights just stop going off. I'm sorry. So yeah, so a lot of it is tech. And that's kind of the one thing that I noticed a lot about what we were attracting. And so when we launched our Seattle location, our go-to-market strategy was totally different. Thank goodness. You know, it's like you learn all these different things yeah. along the way over the years, right? And you start realizing there's different ways to do things. And what we did was we limited the number of service-based companies to five. And then the rest of the space had to be tech. Okay. And it was just the way we wanted to approach it. We wanted to build a hub of technology kinds of companies are were focused on tech. They're great companies. The service-based companies are great too. You need to have some in there. I just didn't want to get overrun by all of the service-based businesses. And so it allowed us to actually create demand for the service-based space. <laughs> and it also was like a great marketing thing for all of the tech-based companies. Yeah. And I've always been one of those kind of guys that focused in on what's happening now or what's coming up in the future here that is, you know. I guess, like a paradigm shift, or is it something that's revolutionary? And so when we launched this Seattle space, we were focused a lot on Bitcoin. And we had, you know, a Bitcoin VC. Inside. What year was this? Uh, this was 2018. Okay. And it was just kind of the birth of all that kind of energy. Yep. And it was like, okay, we're going after all these kinds of companies right now. And it just gives us an ability to target companies that we really want it. to go after, yep. right? It's like... Yep. I think it's really, I mean, you know this way better than I know. I'm kind of stumbling my way through the marketing aspects of things. And I kind of like, well, you know, I can't really target everybody. I got to target yep. somebody. And it's easier for me to just kind of go after something. And so I, I like to, I guess, hunt and kill in a very specific manner. And and then also, I like being around those kinds of people that are doing right. innovative things. And I'm like, right. I, oh. that's where you get your energy. I'm sure people, you're probably not probably don't get super involved in giving tours and whatnot. But if people know you lend to the vibe because you are part of the brand to some extent, yeah, I, I would guess. I love the tours. 
I wish I could do all the tours. <laughs> I wish I could just like meet all the people. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't. And I have other people that are fortunately better at doing tours than me too. So, <laughs> so what is the real estate model for the second location? Oh, so these other locations that I um have started, I started another one in Fremont, Seattle, and then I started this one, Lake Union. Both of these have been leases. And okay. So that is definitely a different way to operate. And the yeah. pandemic absolutely was brutal. Like okay. I could go into gross detail if you'd okay. like. <laughs> Happy and to we'd share. All cry and we'd have a big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no one wants to relive those couple of years. <laughs> yeah. We got through it though. And we're at a hundred percent right now. So I know okay. we're doing something right. And across you, the board. So you have three locations. Is that right? I um, closed up the second location when we opened up the third location because they were within a few miles of each other. And the other one was like a lot smaller. And I just felt like, you know what, we're just going to shut that one down. So how big is the third location? 20,000 square feet. Okay. So both your, so the two open locations are both 20,000. Yeah. Okay. Got it. It's a great number. What does your mix look like between like offices and open space? You know, I would say, Revenue wise, it's probably 90, I don't know, a little over 90% is coming in from office. Yeah. And, and then the um, other revenue is mostly virtual office, actually. So we have co working, but the co working revenue is actually quite small <laughs> and it is inconsistent. And it's, I have to still think this part through a little bit further in terms of like how much space or how to put the space in there that allows for the open desk side of things. But, you know, the things that everybody loves is having a private office, honestly. They like having the ability to close the door and have a conversation yeah. with, their, yeah. you know, for sales calls or, yeah. you know, be on a call raising money or, right. you know, there's... We allow people to paint the walls in their offices and give it their own vibe. And it's just like, that's not happening out in the co-working area, right? It's it's open desk. People, it gives you the full flexibility. And I have used it clearly the last two months. <laughs> right, right. Around all over the place. And I've enjoyed yeah. that. But um, in terms of the reliable revenue side of it, for me, and at least this market here, it has been much more stable to have those office leases. So do you run into startups that say, yeah, we can't afford the office space? Like, is that a kind of a gap in what you provide or? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's people that will come by and they'll say, hey, you know, I want an office for 400 bucks. Right. Um, and, and I give yeah, them yeah. the name of like three other places okay. to go to because it's just like, not a fit. I'm That's not, not even going to go there and yeah. I'm not going to try to appeal to these companies. Yeah. That, but what know, if you had like, yeah, dedicated desk or co-working. Would they take it or do they only want an office? Some of them take it. I'll take yeah. the, the flex um, space yeah. so they can um, move into something more private. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's one thing that we have done differently than a lot of these other places. And I think we attract mature entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot to be said for that model, Peter. <laughs> Mature entrepreneurs who can pay the bills and who stay for a long time. Great. Because to your point, the the flex is, you know, you called it inconsistent. It comes in like in trickles. It's hard to build up. 
and it's hard to make it a huge percentage of your, well, it could be a large percentage of your revenue if you don't have a lot of office space, but it's hard to make meaningful revenue out of Flex. Although I'm curious, did you see any co-working spaces on your travels that were just like killing it on Flex? Well, 25 North, definitely. They have doing a something in there that is yeah. really, they got some yeah. secret boss stuff going, I think. Yeah. And so that one felt awesome. Bomb Collective in Brooklyn was just incredible. And there's a lot of energy inside yeah. there. And I love that location. Yeah. It, it was awesome. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely a few that I, I stepped into. And uh, the 20 Fathoms in Traverse City was like tons of people. I like, this is crazy. So yeah, there was some it feels a little were... secret saucy, yet to your point. You know, we, you were at the conference. Did you see Mara's, and I'm totally blanking on her name. They have a head of culture. Did you see the session where, oh, what is her name? She has a unique name. I'm totally blanking on it. It'll, it'll come to me. Anyway, they work really hard at it. And I think that's part of their, a little bit of their secret sauce. You know, they focus a lot on culture and how their team interacts. And I think they maybe because of that attract, you know, more flex folks because they have a pretty balanced like floor plan. So, but 20,000 feet of offices is a good way to run a business too. Yeah. Yeah. I think culture definitely does matter. You know, we certainly stand apart from the different places out there. And I think a lot of the people that would come by and tour things space, they're like, yeah, we're definitely moving in here. You guys feel like you attract people that are really serious about running yeah. their companies. Yeah. And so we don't, it's nothing against beer on tap, but we don't do that here. Yeah. And I, not that I wouldn't want to have you know, a happy hour because we will do that. But having it on tap is just kind of it sends a different signal, I guess. And I know my brain doesn't get isn't as sharp, right? <laughs> Not quite. When I'm right. like, um, having a beer, right? Or having totally. a beer. So yeah. I know in the workplace is like, hey, yeah, I want to get stuff done. You know, I want to be one of those guys having a conversation with somebody in you know at the in front of the the kitchen area and talking about how you know we were pulling in $250,000 a month and there's just two of us sitting in this little office down here, right? Now that gets me freaking excited. That <laughs> get me freaking charged <laughs> up. Like, I can't believe this is happening in here, right? Makes me want to go back and start crushing it on what I'm working on, so. So do you miss the tech? Do you do anything in tech still or not? Besides investing in different tech companies, I am... I guess, well, ThinkSpace is not inside the tech space. Really. Right. I mean, we're, we're kind of, we make sure the technology works in here. And it's part of the ecosystem. Of but it's, it's not, um, yeah. not my focus for for ThinkSpace anyway. But I am running another company right now too. So that's okay. where my energy is going towards. And it's an aerospace company. So I kind of am in a totally different kind of thing right now too. Okay. <laughs> okay, how do you accomplish that? Who do you, what does your team look like so that you can focus on this aerospace company? So what does my team look like yeah. here at Space? I've got like a who's, who's in the business manager. besides you? Yeah, like who's at the location? Anybody else sort of on the leadership team? You know, that is something that I miss a lot. I wish I had all that around me and I don't. It's something that I I guess at this point and where I'm at and how I'm running things, I try my best to stay engaged with my location managers. They're basically like the community manager, location manager type role inside here. And then we have another front desk person as well. And that's 
And then I've outsourced all the back office to yep. other managed service companies. And yep. I used to have this kind of stuff on staff. And then I, the pandemic hit and I, I started shifting everything. And then I realized I can actually run this thing smoother in a different way. And so I haven't re, uh, I guess, hired for those different ty- types of roles. And then also, you know, at one point, I really wanted ThinkSpace to become a national brand. And I don't know if it was just because of the energy that was going around from, you know, those giant companies that were raising bazillions of dollars. <laughs> and I was like feeling like, am I missing out on something here? And then I was always being compared to some other company, you know, we're not going to name the names, but I'm mean, like, like, I was here before them. So <laughs> no, totally you were like me. Way before. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there's some of that kind of comparison stuff that was going on. And it made me feel like maybe I should be, but then, you know, I got real clear on like what I wanted and I'm like, no, I don't. And I didn't want to go raise millions of dollars or billions of dollars to go turn things based into this national brand. I think it's got a great name, but I also know what I want to do and I want where I want to put my energy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's important. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm just staying aligned inside that. I love that. Who handles like kind of the more strategic, like branding, you know, marketing. I love your website. Sometimes I look at websites and they have like no soul and I get good vibes from your website which is not that easy to do. So I totally get it for people who don't have the vibe, but is that you or is that someone on your team? So I was one of those technology guys that I'm going to just build everything myself. So that's yeah. where, where things based. DIY all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I DIY'd everything I could possibly do. And then I realized, you know what? There are people way better at things than me. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, I love graphic design and I, like I love Adobe Illustrator, but you know what? I stopped doing it finally because I was like, you know what? There are people that do this way better and they're faster than me. And I, I should just pay for this kind of stuff. So I've moved towards hiring other companies to help me work on stuff yeah. and they can get it done faster and they make it better. And then it also allows me to not have to touch everything or run yeah. all the updates. You know, it just totally. Wait, there's, okay. there's, there's, <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot by, um, stepping into these things and being able to do some of these things. But honestly, I just do recognize talent around me that is way better at things. And I would rather, much rather hire. In the long run, you save so much more money than screwing around, trying to do stuff yourself for like, if you lose six months, that's a lot of time. <laughs> it's just like, really a lot not, of time. that's not the experiment I want to be <laughs> trying to do right now. So my, right now it's all about hiring the right people or companies yeah. or, you know, consultants or whatever to help me get stuff done and, and yeah. trust them to do a great job. So. Yep. It sounds like you're trying to simplify and maybe even make some of it a little more variable. When you have everything internally, you're kind of stuck with fixed costs, which during the pandemic is hard, right? So when you can pull in and out, I'm a heavy user of Upwork and find like amazing talent. Have you used Upwork for any of your... I've used Upwork. It's a, like a talent platform. You can find literally... I mean, I've hired people to do research. I've hired people. I have my podcast editors from there, VAs from there, my designers on there, like everybody's there. It's incredible, like the range of talent. And it's like a review. It's like Amazon for freelancers. So everybody's reviewed. They've got a portfolio. So it's really transparent. Anyway, 
That's fascinating. Uh, so wait, can you tell us about this aerospace project or is it, uh, what do they call it when it's like undercover? Stealth. Stealth. Are you in stealth mode? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that term. Totally. I'd have people come into my space and be like, no, I cannot tell you what we're doing. Stealth mode. And we need an office because no one can see our screens. You know, yeah. one thing I've learned in life um, over the many years now of running ThinkSpace and people saying that they're in stealth mode, I've realized that, you know what? If I told you what I was doing and you wanted to like try to right. emulate or copy what I'm doing, good luck. Yeah, All right. exactly. <laughs> totally. The purpose and the passion and the energy and the knowledge and everything else that goes into like creating something, yeah. it's so unique. And Most people have... also just give up, right? I think a lot of humans just stop before when it gets hard. Yeah. Yeah. And because they're not driven by the same thing, right? Yeah. So for me, I'm happy to share what I'm working on. And if you want to create a competing company against yeah. me, excuse me, I, mean, I need to hit stop because I'm gonna go. <laughs> I think comp competition is healthy. <laughs> so exactly. let's let's make sure there's a marketplace here. <laughs> so um, my um, company is Minimum Zero. It's based off of my father's patent. He um was working in aerospace for 30 years and he was trying to solve this one problem, never solved it, but he solved it after he retired. And so in 2019, he got a, like his 13th patent and um, I was helping him on the business side of this thing. And basically it's, it's a way of melting ice off of the leading edge of an airplane wing or the cowl of an engine. Anyway, it, it's ice forming on an airplane when it's above 10,000 feet. And the technology is completely revolutionary for the aerospace industry. And it can reduce an airplane's weight by 300 pounds. And it's like, it could possibly save an airline, you know, tens of millions of dollars annually by implementing this technology. Yeah. And the technology that they currently use on airplanes is like 80 years old, hasn't changed at all. And so anyway, it's this is what we're trying to bring to the world right now and get it on an airplane. So my father passed away two years ago and, you know, during right towards the end of 2020. And so I've been holding on to this thing. And I think one of the things that's been super interesting for me is that and it was part of this road trip, actually. I got super clear on like what was going on there. Am I doing this for my father or am I doing this for myself? Yeah. You know, and or am I doing this for other people? Or is this for the planet? Like, what is the the real purpose behind all of this stuff? And I went out to NASA Johnson Space Center out in Houston. And I started walking around. There's like this giant space shuttle sitting there, right? There are these huge rockets from SpaceX. And they're like trying, you know, to put man back on the moon again in 2025. And I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm sitting on this technology that is just revolutionary. And it can make such a massive impact by reducing carbon emissions by trillions of pounds. And I'm like, I got to put my energy behind this thing. This is something that's really impactful. So I'm trying to get myself positioned right now to be able to put my energy in, you know, fully behind that. Yeah. And so that's, that's what's going on with that. Wow. That's incredible. That's very cool and not common for shared space owners. But I do, I would guess that the energy, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the space where you've got a lot of innovative in, innovators and entrepreneurs, and there's probably a little bit of like, yeah, I got some of that left. Let's do it. 
I do have a lot of that left in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So doing things that have never been done before is kind of like, yeah, let's go do it. Why not? And it, it, this is all just a big journey anyway, right? So I think um, there's a couple books that I've been plowing through over the last month here. And one of them is Stories I Only Tell My Friends by Rob Lowe. I don't know if you've heard of that one. And then the other one is called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yes. You know what? I started to listen to it. I didn't finish it, I have to say. My husband finished it. And I can't remember why. He tells a lot of like really hard stories. And I think, I don't know. Do you love it? Um, Yeah. You know what? I think I'm in that phase of life where I can really appreciate the hardness of life and um, also realize that it doesn't matter who you are. You're going through it right? It's just how you get through it. And one of the quotes that I remember sticking in my head was like, you got to follow your heart, but let go of the outcomes. Like, don't worry about how it actually plays out. And I was like, you know what, that's totally right. Because it's like, for me, I would think I was so attached to outcomes in the past. And that's probably why I've run 20 marathons. That's probably why I've gone oh, after totally yes, um, you know, Ironman events or, you know, I just put these monster kind of like things out there with like very clearly defined finish lines. Yep. And I kind of want to shift that right now and make sure that I'm focused in on that journey and who I'm bringing along with me on those journeys. It's like, it's really about who you're around, right? It's like, I want to be around great people. Yeah. So like, Honestly, I was sitting there at these last two co-working conferences and I was like having the time of my life. Like I was hanging out, I did with you. You were fantastic um at um Oh wait, but right, I we didn't right? even get to talk about the crazy like mail hike thing that you did. Oh, the mailbox peak hike. Yeah. So I met Shlomo through email and then um you know, we rallied up a bunch of people to go do some crazy thing because it was partly because of him because you know i asked him a question and i was like so you want to go on a hike um on a scale of one to ten how hard do you want it and he's like ten of course and i was like okay no, but i love i'm like you got to ask that question you weren't just like oh he wants to see seattle i'll take him on some hike that like he shows him some you know like the space needle or you know exactly Instead, you're like how hard shlomo and, and his response to me was 10, of course. And I was like, this guy has yeah. no clue who I am. And this guy has no idea what a 10 looks like for but me. But you'd never met and him. I, and I absolutely was not holding back. No right. kid club. I was just like, I'm driving him out to the hardest thing I can possibly bring him out to. So this is a place where people go to train to go hike or climb Mount Rainier. Okay. This is the training ground for those people. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a 10. Yeah. And then anyway, you rallied a bunch of other people and it was fantastic. And Wait, But not know. really a bunch because there's not that many people. Who do a 10. <laughs> and it was raining. Yeah, it was pouring rain. That, okay, that Peter, how many hours did it take? So Shlomo told the story on our Flex Uncensored podcast. I have not laughed so hard as I laughed during that interview in a long time. So please tell me your version. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it was version. It was super sunny the day before, and I really yeah. wanted to go out the day before with them right. because I wanted them to see the view and it's spectacular and whatnot, right? And they were like, there's a few other people that didn't want to go at, in the, <laughs> at nighttime. 
time and I'm just like fine well if we go tomorrow it's going to be the forecast of rain and they're like whatever who cares and I mean everybody's because I think you told them well like if we leave at four what time would you be back like midnight or something crazy it would have been really late yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) a very very late night okay and it would have been like Nick Clark and Javier and you do know the story. Yeah, so there was Nick. There was um. And Hunter, Nick was like, was "No, Kane, I have to go to happy hour. Can we go in the morning." Exactly, and and so you know they wanted to do the um, networking thing. I yeah. was like, "Great, let's go network with a bunch yeah. of people," which was fun. We did that, but then the next morning, somehow we all did get up and we got out there, and um, you know, it was pouring rain the entire time. And like, so you departed it like four in the morning. Yes um, or no? Well, we met out there. We had to drive an hour to get there, right? And then. Right. We, started climbing. And I mean, these are details that matter, Peter. And, and, <laughs> so the thing about it is like, I was prepared, but Shlomo was in like white tennis shoes that he uses for being in the gym. And I'm looking, I'm like, we're trashing those shoes. Like they are coming back. They're never going to be white ever again. Okay. Cause it's going to be like one step into the mud here. It, it, they're, they're trash. Right. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have the right gear on. And I'm just, and it's pouring rain, right? They don't even have rain gear. So we're just getting soaked. And, you know, we're going up. It's 4,000 feet of vertical gain. It's, it's pretty short, but it's like straight up. There's no switch backing. You know, there's, it's just go up. It's gnarled tree roots. It's just rocks. It's like, you know, anyway, we get up to this one spot and, um, it's right above the tree line and the wind is howling. Like the gusts feel like they're probably at 40 some miles an hour. Right. And I think at that point I was like, okay, it's got sketchy, really sketchy, but it's not like abort yet. Right. Okay. Like, we're, go- we're, like, going. we're for sure going to die. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting closer and closer, climb it up. And the wind is just whipping us and the rain is still pelting us and there's snow on the ground. And, it's like, oh my gosh, like it, it's intense, right? Then thunder and lightning start. Oh happening. my God. And it's like, okay, guys, I'm thinking in my head, these guys are running like huge co working spaces all over the country or, you know, Javier's and South Javier's America. Javier's 40 and, locations. And like, I'm like, what? I'm going to get these guys killed. Like, so is it, like, does he have key man insurance? I was like, no, we're not. I know we've only got, you know, maybe 30 more minutes to get to the very, very top, but I'm actually thinking they're going to, we're all going to die. Yeah. So I, I was, I made the call and I said, guys, you know, we got to turn this thing around. We cannot killed today not today <laughs> we're turning around so we went back down they agreed and Wait, we so all stayed alive was it only you and shlomo and javier yes yeah yeah because yeah. nick didn't get up and then we're gonna out him and then kane was injured and, K- and was kane like was i can't and so he did yeah. drive him out there yes but um he turned out turned around and went back so i I took everybody back (laughs) but anyway it was you know super fun and and also these guys have a different mindset and that's the one thing i i I noticed that has shifted so significantly in this flex space Mm -hmm. and the co-working space and it has changed massively from the time i started up think space to where we are today like I am so inspired being around all these different people right now it is they are crushing things, right? They are wanting to grow and scale their companies and the way they're approaching it 
and the way that they view the expansion and they're just fired up. Like, yeah. and, you know, like I spent some time talking with Sophia, with Pilato Mail and yeah. some people over at VentureX. And then, um, you know, these other people that I've named while hiking and I'm like, everybody's on fire. Like these people are what going to be shaping this industry for like the next 10 years. And I like so badly want to be a part of that. <laughs> so I'm not like these two this different things. This is the wrestle on, like, the, on the drive. I stay in yeah. and also do this other thing that is supposed <laughs> to like change the world. I don't know. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it's just an exciting time. And I think in the very, very beginning, the co-working industry was so much focused on community. And it was, I almost felt like revenue generation was a dirty thing. And it felt hundred percent, Peter. <laughs> oh, yeah. odd. Like being focused on business yeah. stuff, right? And thinking about business models and revenue and profitability. And, you know, there's just all these different things that are going on today that feel like, you know what? These people want to run amazing companies, right? And have fun and do, you know, 10 rated hikes, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the energy is awesome right now. And and I think the industry has the the right people. Right? Yeah. These are good, really good people that are doing these things right now. I, I mean they're inspiring. Yeah. Peter, I think have you ever done an Enneagram test? I did. Are you a three? You know, I would have to look it up. You'd have, have to look it up. I bet you I haven't looked at it for a while. But I'm going to write it down as a three and see what it really is. I bet is. you're three. I, I struggle with the same like outcome versus journey, right? Like outcome versus like do the things you want to do in life. Like the value is in the outcome and like talking myself out of that. Like, you know, the B Brene Brown stuff, like you are loved just because you are. I'm always like, that's bullshit. No, <laughs> <laughs> you are loved if you produce shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's not true, but it's like, it's like my brain can't like Brene Brown. So I totally get that. And I also, I just wanted to to relate on that. So I love like, you know, kind of where you're, you're going with the journey. And I think for me, co-working kind of plays into that. Like, I always feel like, am I supposed to be doing something different? Am I supposed to like, but I love the people. I really love the people in this industry. And I think going to conferences is so meaningful because it's a good like check, right? Am I am I in the right place? Am I with the right people that I want to kind of go through life with? And I feel the same way about the people in this industry. They're really fantastic and there's some inspiring work that's being done. So, and you're one of them. I'm so glad to have met you in person and Mark Gilbreth was like you two should talk and then we had like a didn't work Zoom call. And then I got to see you in person and we did the workout that Shlomo led, which was super fun. <laughs> You're like, I just want to go for a jog. I don't want to do burpees. <laughs> <laughs> you had us doing that bear crawl thing. And I was bear like, crawl. Yep. this is so hard. <laughs> Why did you pick this? <laughs> but you're awesome. You can handle it. <laughs> but it's also so fun that there's like a bunch of people who wanted to get up early and go out on the turf, right? And like do hard things together. I love that. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we have to wrap up because I'm we're way over time. Thank you for putting me on your schedule on your first day, you know, back in your own office, at least. And, and thanks for sharing your story. It was so fun to connect. Uh, and, and here. Yeah, I, I'm excited to keep following you and see, you know, what happens and, and staying connected. I hope you'll keep coming to conferences.
So oh, we can yeah, I think this person. is definitely something I, I will keep in my calendar and schedule because I've had such a great time connecting with the people that are running these places and you had so many different ideas and how to do things. And I want to stay connected into this co-working community in some way. So I think this is the way to do it. I bet the aerospace conferences aren't nearly as fun. Just a prediction. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> But I did get invited to one like a month ago and I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm saying yes to these guys. Totally. Say yes to things. I gotta, I gotta know. <laughs> awesome, Peter. Thank you. We'll Thank talk. You, uh, well, I hope we talk soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. It makes a huge difference in helping others like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about our education and coaching programs, head over to everythingcoworking.com. We'll see you next week.